Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. I want to share um, about Jesus because he is the, the reason of the season. And when we go through the Bible, we see Jesus Christ referred to with many amazing names, including Saviour, Redeemer, Healer, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and the, the list goes on. But two other names I want to look at today is the Son of God and the Son of Man. Probably not Son of God, we understand, but what's it mean that He's the Son of Man? It's a very powerful uh, thought. If you understand who Jesus is and allow him to be the center of your life, then a whole lot out there is just get sorted out. You notice when you put Jesus first, relationships start to get in order because we have his love. Our finances get in order because we don't waste it and we're not trying to spend money to impress people. We can now start to live a life of freedom. We find our health often gets in order because we start to live healthier lifestyles. And our mind starts to be at peace so we're not driven by turmoil and torment in our minds. And so many things start to come into order when we put Jesus first, when he's the center. Sometimes we wonder why we struggle so much with our humanity. And uh, we think, well, your promises are true, Lord. We can live a blessed, fulfilled life. And we do. But sometimes our humanity just trips us up. Our minds do crazy stuff. Our bodies don't do what they should. And, uh, and sometimes our emotions just go crazy and we ride this roller. God, why is it so complex? Why can't it be so easier to live this life? And I believe that the spirit that God gives us helps us live in freedom. But we need to understand our humanity. And that's why Jesus came to this earth to be called the Son of Man. He took on humanity so that he can connect with our humanity. And uh, in the early uh, church days, some of the uh, church leaders, they started to say, well, our bodies are evil and God's good and our spirit's good. And they had dualism, which is really totally wrong because Jesus designed our body and mind and emotions and heart and memories. He designed that so that we can live out this life in its fullness. So our bodies are not evil. Our desires are not evil. It's just that we don't surrender them to God. They can get out of line and they can get damaged by sin and selfishness. But God's designed our body, our mind, our soul and our spirit in his image and purpose. And I believe Jesus coming as the son of God and the son of man helps us understand why as people we are the way we are and how we can live a blessed, fulfilled life and not get tripped up on the journey. Our humanity is a gift from God. Our physical body is a gift. Sometimes they're not quite the shape we'd like. Sometimes they don't function quite right. There's an ache or a pain here, or something doesn't quite function like it could or should. But our bodies are a gift of God. The Bible even says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Wow. So let's not abuse it. Let's not treat it with disdain, or sometimes even be angry or upset of why we are the way we are. Sometimes with dysfunction, with disabilities. God's grace is there to help us. So our ability to have creativity, memory, personality. Thank God we got different personalities. Every now and then they annoy us. And guess what? God puts opposites together. That's still a mystery of life, which I'm going to have a little chat to God when we get to heaven about that one. 
because he hasn't given the answer on earth, so we'll have to chat about that one. But God's given us this beauty and creativity. Some have got the most amazing sense of humor and others are just very matter of fact. And we need both, otherwise we'd, we'd be living in this crazy world or we'd, we'd be so dull and boring that we would never have any fun. <clears throat> I remember my wife and I met a couple of years ago. <clears throat> they were a lovely couple. I think one was a school teacher and one was an accountant. And I remember we went for a picnic lunch uh, after church one day. And believe it or not, they were so organized, they were counting out the number of chips and peas for each child to eat so they got exactly the same. And we looked and we thought, those poor kids. <laughs> I thought the opposites didn't attract there. They were both so structured, organized. I thought, oh boy, what a sad world for those kids. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that worked. Then you get other people, life's just a party and no one's organizing anything and the place is chaos. Lots of fun, but chaos. God's given us our humanity, our personality, uh, our all the creative. All those are just a beautiful gifts, and don't ever try and destroy it. Because sometimes, when you don't know Jesus, or you get into a place of discouragement or depression or anger, you start to abuse your body, and sometimes we try to destroy it, and it's so so sad. Jesus came as the Son of God and the Son of Man. Let's have a look at the Son of Man. It's the Jesus' most common title he used of himself. That's what he's, he used that word more than anything else about himself. Jesus, the Son of Man. 81 times in the Gospels. And it's never used by anyone else except by Jesus in the Gospels. The only two other times it's actually used in Scripture is in um, Acts 7.56 by Stephen who was being stoned because he preached a bad sermon. No, he preached a great sermon and lifted up Jesus so powerfully that he actually became a martyr because there was so much anger, religious anger. And as he was dying, he looked up and he says, Look, I see heaven open in Acts 7.56 and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Wow. As his body is being destroyed his spirit looked up and saw Jesus as the son of man in compassion and the only other time it's used in the bible is in revelation 113 john as he's having that amazing revelation of Jesus in heaven and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest so Jesus came to identify with humanity so that we could be reconciled to God. Jesus revealed his humanity by becoming human. As one writer said, God was skin on. That's a powerful thought, isn't it? God was skin on. That's why Jesus came as a baby. Wow, he, I mean, he could have come to earth, arrived on a chariot of fire, and uh, been dressed as a royal king with his crown and everything on. That You'd think that's how a king should arrive. And that's why Herod couldn't work out that a baby was born as the new king of the Jews. The wise men, they realized, the star had shown them that there was a king had been born. And we sing some of the beautiful carols, born as a king. He didn't be born to become a king, he was born as a king. But he was born in flesh as a baby to identify with humanity. So that we could be reconciled to God. 
Jesus revealed his humanity by becoming human. So he made a way to pay the price for our sin. John 1, 1 to 5 talks about this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He didn't just come and visit briefly. He grew up as a baby. I'd love to see the videotape on his first 30 years of his life. How did he go with his stepbrothers and with the soccer team? Did they let him win? If he was sort of stuck in a tough spot, did he just point the finger and a miracle happened and the goalposts moved? It would be really interesting to see how Jesus played out his journey, knowing he was the son of God, but he was just a child as well. We don't have much of that story, but I reckon it would have been fascinating. And it, it says he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. We skip over to verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Thank God he lived here for 33 years. So he could see the darkness, the pain, the brokenness of sin and, and hopeless and the control of the Romans. He's, he saw broken humanity, but he, his love just poured out and reached out to people. When he was 30, he started his public ministry. It says he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Wow. Count your blessings. Even when you have a tough day, there's still a whole lot of great blessings. Thank God for fresh air to breathe. I've been to a few countries where that's, that, that's a real prayer. God, give me air to breathe. You know? Thank God we have water we can drink out of the tap that's not contaminated. Thank God we've got in beautiful creation and a great family, freedom to come and worship, um, to study, to travel without someone checkpoints all the way along the highway. There's just so many amazing opportunities. We've got a Bible to read. There's so many beautiful, beautiful gifts we can study and learn and just incredible what God has given us. So many blessings. Blessings one after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The message version of these verses says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's a good idea, eh? He says, I'll move in um, to Bethlehem and Nazareth and the whole Galilee region. We saw his glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory like father, like son. Generous inside and out. Wow, that's beautiful, hey? Generous inside and out. True from start to finish. Joel, this is the one, the one I told you was coming after me, but in fact was ahead of me. <clears throat> he has always been ahead of me, has always had the first word. We all live off his generous bounty. Gift after gift after gift. We got the basics from Moses. And then this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding, all this came through Jesus the Messiah. No one has ever seen God, not just a glimpse. This one-of-a-kind God expression who exists at the very heart of the Father has made him plain as day. That's why it's such a big deal that we worship Jesus. 
that we speak his name, that we declare that he is powerful, that he's our saviour. Lots of people in our community, in our world, they're not sure about God and religion and church. But when you talk about Jesus and who he really is, very few people will pull away from Jesus. They pull away sometimes from all the other aspects of what they consider Christianity, but they don't, most people don't struggle with Jesus because he is just so amazing. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Not the Son of God, the Son of Man came to give his life because he came in humanity to bridge the gap between us and the Father. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save who was lost. What was lost? Jesus came and walked this earth to find you and I and draw us back to relationship with the Father. Thank God he's done that. Maybe you're here today and you're still in that journey saying, well, where, did, where does this fit with Jesus at Christmas time? He is reaching out to seek and save that which is lost. He's drawing people across our community into relationship with him at this Christmas time. Mark 8.31, it says, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. They just couldn't get their head around that, saying, Jesus, you're amazing. You're telling us about God and we, we can now see that he's not just a judge, he's not distant, he hasn't forgotten us. Jesus, what are you talking about? You're going to die and leave us. You can't do that. And the disciples tried to stop him. But he was here for a season to reveal the Lord, connect with humanity, and then go back to heaven after he died on the cross and rose again. The people loved Jesus. He was real, authentic. He wasn't spiritually weird, wasn't religious. The average people loved to spend time with him and listen to him. And even the kids hang out with Jesus. And kids don't hang out with boring people. They loved his stories. Probably loved the, the miracles and, and uh, followed the crowds. And amazing that they loved hanging out with Jesus. And I believe God's calling us to allow Jesus to live in and through us. So people that know we're Christians, let it be attractive Christianity. Let it be real and caring and generous and, and connecting and, and listening and, and giving hope and truth wherever we are. Don't be too religious or legalistic, but know Jesus and allow him to shine out of you. I believe the Holy Spirit's teaching us as Christians how to follow Christ better. In, as the darkness and challenges in our nation and community get greater, where it seems sometimes that injustice and fear and evil rules, that's the time where we live out our Christianity even greater because people are looking for an expression of Christ. And just these last two big events with over 500 people at both events this week, I thought there's so many people just searching and looking for the kingdom of God. One of the girls that was in the dance last Sunday, the parents came along to church. I'm not sure if you're here today. But I know you were just so touched and the mum just started crying as soon as she got in at the rehearsal, not even at the main event, because she felt God's love. See, it's, it's about you being carriers of his presence. When we do it together, God's love touches our hearts and he's drawing many, many people into his kingdom.
He's helping the church to be a loving, exciting, real revelation of Jesus. Love people and treat people with love and respect, valuing each one as special. Jesus demonstrated this. It says, as he went on from there, in Matthew 9, 9, it says he, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, tax collectors were even more hated then than they are today. They're not the most popular people in, in the nation. Now, I had a friend who used to work in the bank with me, and then he became a tax collector. He was the man in the tax department writing and chasing up people because they hadn't paid their tax. And I thought, well, what a job. What are you doing that for? He says, oh, I don't mind it. I, I live in an office so they don't see my face. I said, well, that's probably a bit safer. <laughs> Just sends the nasty letters. <laughs> and I thought, wow, I couldn't, I couldn't be that. So he's a tax leader. And Jesus looks at him and says, follow me. Didn't sit down and have a long discussion with him saying, hey, you've been, have you been collecting the right amount of tax or have you been extorting people and, and demanding more? He didn't go through all of his lifestyle because everyone knew that that's what they did. He just pointed and says, follow me. Now, Matthew was probably wealthy, living off other people's taxes, and they could add double the tax and keep some for themselves. That's what they used to do. And the Roman government would protect them. So they were hated, but they were wealthy. Jesus said, follow me. In other words, leave all that behind. Follow me. Now, there must have been something about his words, his lifestyle, what he had seen and heard that just grabbed him. It says he got up and left it all. Wow. God's calling us. He's calling our community to follow Jesus and live it out in our natural ways. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, so they head off to Matthew. He says, come over and have some food with us. He's so excited. He's met Jesus, still trying to sort it all out. He goes there to his place. And it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, the religious people, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I have mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Wow. Jesus wanted to reach out. He loved hanging out with his disciples and his, those that are believing and following him. He loved that. But he loved reaching people who had no hope and had a totally wrong concept of God or didn't even know that how their spirit, soul and body worked and that there was a different way to live. Just like some of us before you came to church or someone shared about Jesus, you did, had no concept, no idea. I remember uh, a year or two ago, one of the young guys that came through transformations, he was 27 years old, this was a couple of years ago, and he came to our cr Christmas concert and to the carols and he says wow now I know what Christmas is about he was really sincere he says I now know what Christmas is about I I never understood it 27 year old guy bought up grew up in Australia in Sydney and then looked at me with total honest question he says has Easter got anything to do about God at all? he was totally sincere I looked at him and thought, my answer now can be a bridge or a barrier for this young man. So I thought for a couple of seconds, I said, just like you've discovered that Christmas is about Jesus, Easter is about Jesus because he died on the cross and rose again. Millions of people cross our land just like that. And as Christians, we think, no, there isn't. Oh, yes, there is. I looked in the face of some of those young shoulders on Friday. I talked to some of them. 
They don't know. They haven't been raised with it. There's only 5 or 10% people that regularly go to church in our nation, which means there's 80 or 90% have little or no connection with church or God. And yet, just like Jesus went to Matthew's place, and his life and his love and his words and his example started to break through and give them hope. That's how we live today. John 3.13 says, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Remember the Israelites had been rebelling against God and the, these snakes started coming out of the desert, the um, vipers, and biting them and they were dying. And Moses said, what are we going to do? And so God said, I want you to get up a pole or a post and put an image of a golden snake up there and anyone who looks at it, the poison won't kill them and they'll live. It was actually a prophetic message about when people look at the cross, they will live. Way back, thousands of years before. That's what he's referring to. And so it says, He must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world. This is where this verse fits into the process. We often just quote John 3.16, but we don't read the verses before. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Now that's the gospel. It's so simple, but it's so powerful. And I believe God wants to remind us, just for a few minutes about the Son of God. 1 John 3, 8 says, He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work and we sang about that today and if the enemy's trying to rob and steal from your humanity from your soul from your mind from sin and darkness and and schemes of darkness I want to say that our God's greater and Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one he's come to give us hope and life he can heal your broken body he can bring purpose for your mind and heart and that's the our great God that we love and serve 1 John 5.11 says, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's that simple, but it's that powerful. And no matter how long you've known Jesus, I want it to be fresh and alive in our hearts. Romans 1.4 says, who through the Spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The miracles helped confirm that Jesus was truly the Son of God and the Son of Man. Today, miracles happen. Transformed lives happen. A testimony is the greatest way to declare that Jesus is alive and true and powerful. Transformed families that are restored and set free. Romans 8.14 says, Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that you are God's children. Now, if you're children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Wow, Jesus, you are so beautiful. And we wrestle at times with our physical humanity. 
Galatians 5, 16 says, So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Our body, our mind, our soul is a gift of God, but when it's selfishly surrendered to sin and darkness, it will bring destruction. But when it's surrendered to Jesus, it brings life. Young people, I encourage you to learn the ways of God at a young age. Don't have this later for selfish living. God wants us to learn to live in freedom. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. There's an interesting thought in 2 Corinthians 10.3. It says, Though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, we do not war in the flesh. There, the Apostle Paul saying, Hey, don't forget, you are physical human beings. We live, we walk in this flesh. We eat, we sleep, we love, we work, hopefully. Work's a good thing. Train your kids to have a great work ethic. We do all those things in the flesh, in the body. That's a good thing. But we realize we can't deal with all of life without bringing the Spirit. Because we wrestle and we fight in the Spirit. And we're overcomers. Last verse, Hebrews 4.14. I love this. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Hold firmly. What's the promise? What's the faith we hold on to? Salvation for our whole household. A blessed life in our business. Health and strength. Generational blessing and overflow. The light will destroy the dark. Some hopelessness. God answers and hears our prayers. It says... For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. That phrase still blows me away. Jesus walked this earth, but he didn't sin. God's grace is there to help us. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. You can put your name in that. So that Ross may receive mercy and find grace to help in my time of need. We have times of need because we live in a body, we live in a broken world, but Jesus is there to help us. Why don't we stand in his presence today? Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. 